Um, we're really glad you're here. I want to add my welcome. I'm so glad that you are with us here today. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here, and um, so glad that we're all getting to do this and you're here with us on Easter. Um, there's this thing that I've been afraid of for the last um, month or so, but I've been too afraid to Google it, that somewhere there are churches um, all over the U.S. embarrassing us today by having April Fool's Day themed sermons, right? Jesus is dead. April Fool's. No, he's alive. Ha, ha, ha. It's like, but I just, I hope that's not true. I've been too afraid to Google it. If you come across that, I would love. Just let, just let me know. And it could just be that I really am the only person uh, dumb enough to even think about doing that. But I, I, didn't, I, was like, I didn't think about doing it. We're not doing it. We're never, never even come. No, we're not, not even close. Not even close. Um, anyways, um, weird. Um, Actually, what we have been doing uh, over the last few weeks is we've been um, talking about uh, the, the seven sayings that Jesus said, the seven things that Jesus said when he was, when he was on the cross. Um, we've been doing this. This will be our, our fourth week. We're kind of finishing up here today. We're just kind of looking at them in twos and threes. And we started off a few weeks ago. And when Jesus, the first thing that we did, we saw how, how human Jesus was. And we think of him as, as, as strictly as just being the son of God sometimes. And we, and we lose touch with just... How he was, he, was just a, he was just a dude, too. I mean, he, he, he was expressing thirst, and he was expressing anxiety and fear when he's on there. And because of that, he is more relatable to us and is able to, to help us. And so we talked about that a few weeks ago. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at um, just these multiple expressions where it was just obvious that, that Jesus overwhelmingly was concerned about other people. I mean, here he is being executed. He's been, he's been tortured for hours. He's exhausted. He's in excruciating pain, but his heart and mind is on what he can do for other people. He's, he's worried about his mom. He's forgiving the people who, who are doing this to him, and he's looking at the, at the people next to him who are dying, and he's trying to save them and help them know God in this last moment of their life. And so even at this worst moment, we, we see Jesus' compassion for other people. And then last week, we looked at these two phrases where Jesus, on the one hand, cried out in frustration and anxiety to God, saying, God, why have you forsaken me? And you see, <coughs> you see him wrestling with God's plan. But then uh, uh, right after that, he's saying, but, but God, I trust you. So we see in Jesus him, him wrestling with God's plan, but ultimately trusting, trusting in the plan. And, and the thing that you, you see in all of these is what, the reason we're doing this is because you get a, a greater picture of what someone is like when you see them kind of at their, at their weakest. And um, I've, told, I've told some stories over the course of some, some embarrassing things for me. And I was thinking about this story the other day. This is about somebody else. And I, I need to tell you, this is like from 12 years ago. So don't, you don't try to figure out any of the characters in this story. So just don't. I know how you are. Um, so 12 years ago, I'm visiting a friend, a friend in, the, in the hospital. I'm making sure that she's okay. And, and, and we're talking. And, and she goes, um, Charlie, will, will you tell my husband and, and tell him to take out the trash? He never remembers to take out the trash. It's like he can't remember what day is trash day. Tuesday is trash day. And he always forgets. Will you please tell him to take out the trash and to put it in the trash can and take the trash can down to the curb? I don't know why he won't take the trash can to the curb. Charlie, can you do that? Can you please? And you think I'm exaggerating. This conversation went on for 10 minutes. And I'm telling you, she is passionate about making sure that trash got taken out. It's like, will you tell him? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm never going to tell him. 
I'm thinking, I'm never going to tell anybody. And that's like, well, and that's obviously not true. I'll wait 12 years, and then I'll tell it anonymously when I live someplace completely different. And um, so I come back, the, come back the next day and making sure she's okay. And Carly, you, you were here yesterday, right? And I'm like, yeah. Because we have a conversation about trash. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know if it was a conversation, but we, um, we talk about trash. So obviously, you know, the, in, in that moment, you know, this frustration that she has comes out. And Jesus, though, in this worst, darkest, most painful moment, the character and the commitment to others, the commitment to his mission, the genuineness, it just, it just exudes out of him. The compassion that he shows to his mom, to his enemies, to, 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 to thieves being hung next to him. And this authentic authenticity that we see. And ultimately today we're going to see his, his, his incredible commitment to his mission. To, to this thing that he came here to do for us. And so we're going to look at this last one in this series. In John chapter 19, starting in verse 28. John 19, starting in verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished... And so that scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So the first one there, the, the being thirsty, we looked at that a few weeks ago, but Looking at today is this thing is like it's the very end, the very end, and he 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 takes this drink and he says it's finished, it's 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 done. And it says with that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so this last thing that we're looking at, this declaration, this last phrase, it is finished. And the question that we have to ask, I mean, it's like well, obviously you need to know what's he talking about. Whatever it is, he is up there and he's thinking, man, my, my mission, my mission has come to an end. And so you, and it's, it's three simple words. In the Greek, it was actually just, just the one word. But just in this, in this very simple one-word statement that he makes, this kind of declaration, it's, it's done. And I don't imagine, you know, him it's like some, you know, some sort of like he'd run away. It's like, Yes! But just kind of this emotionally, physically, spiritually exhausted saying, this thing that I came here to do is now done. And with that, he died. So obviously the big question that we have to ask is, what is he talking about? What, 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 what is he saying? Because in those, again, very three simple English words, there's a lot there. And, and while it's a phrase that obviously we know what it means, well, it's finished. We know what that phrase means. But there's so much there. First of all, we have to know what the it is. What the it, what, what is it? And what does it mean that it's finished? Because in this very simple phrase is this powerful statement of what it is that Jesus Christ did for us and the life that we can now have in him. So when he says it, what is he talking about? And when he says it, what he means, what he's talking about is reconciling people to God. 
That's what he's talking about. Because, I mean, some people think, and this is the, the hang-up that I think a lot of us have. We think about Jesus and what he came to do and why he was important. He's like, well, he came here to teach us good things about God. He did that, but that's not why. That's not the main reason why he came. Because if that's what was finished, if that was his mission, if his mission was just to teach us things about God, that mission got finished a long time ago. He, he, that, that, was, that, was, that was weeks earlier he was done with that. Well, he's just kind of show us how to live. Well, he, he was done with that. This is talking about something deeper, something more, more powerful than that. There was part of his mission that required him to die this death for us. <coughs> and the way that he described it, he kind of gives us a hint to this. Way back at the very beginning, this is John chapter 19 and John chapter 3, Jesus is talking about his mission, and, and it's in one of those verses that is probably one of the, if not the most famous Bible verse. It used to be put it on signs at football games and things. John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't have to die, but instead can have life forever with me. And then he goes on to explain, say, hey, listen, I have not come here to condemn the world. And I think it's important for those of you who are new, you need to make sure that you know that we know that Jesus said that. Jesus said that's not why he came. He didn't come here to condemn the world. And in case there's a part of you that kind of spent the last few days as you're getting ready to come here today thinking, psyching yourself up for the giant wad of condemnation that comes when you have to come to church, you're going to be spared from that today. There's no condemnation that's coming. Jesus said he didn't do it, and if he didn't do it, I'm not going to do it. It's like, I ain't come here to condemn the world. And then he said this. He says, the world is condemned already. I came here to save it. And I think if there's anything that we can all agree on, it doesn't matter how old you are, where you came from, what your season of life is, what your demographic is, what your politics are, I think we can all agree that this world is broken. This world is damaged. This world is sick. This world is condemned. And Jesus saw that. He said, they don't need me to tell them something that they already know. And it was true 2,000 years ago, and it's still true now. This world stands condemned. It is broken and hurt. And Jesus did not come down here to be like, "Mm, you saw what you did. And then just leave. It says he came here, and, and it talks about, that he had a ministry of reconciliation. And that's a powerful word, reconcile, reconciling people, bringing opposing parties together. Now people ask me, people ask me from time to time because they they, they kind of have, I think, a a, a morbid curiosity about what it's like to 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 be a dad that has a wife and then only daughter. So there's me, my wife, and three daughters. So me and four women. In the house, and people are strangely curious about that because it, it seems it seems scary. I don't know. I don't know what it is they think. It's actually awesome. People say, "Hey, what's it like to be outnumbered?" I'm like, I wouldn't know. They're all on my side. You should ask Heidi. You ask Heidi what it's like to be outnumbered. They vote with me, right? <laughs> but it is it is different. I mean, I talk to people. I'm a little more scared of these people who only have boys. Like I've never I've never had to dodge a toy being thrown at my head. There's no there's no flailing punches or anything like that. There's not. It's not aggressive. It's not very. It's not very loud. But I was just say, there's a lot of emotion, right? A lot of emotion. Some crying. 
And if that feels like, like stereotypes to you, I'm not trying to stereotype anybody. I'm just telling you objectively what it's like in my home, right? And, 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 it, get, and it gets intense, and, the, and there's a lot of intensity, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of girl relationships there, you know, relating to each other. And the role, I think, of girl dad lots of times is just, just trying to be, hey, hey, hey. Because we get into these things where there's these feuds and then there's these problems. And I, I feel this responsibility to have kind of an, you know, a ministry of reconciliation, if you will. It's like, you know, this person's upset with this person and, 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 and so much emotion has gotten in the way that they can't, they can't see anymore where the other one is coming from. And so I just kind of step in. I'm like, hey, guys, it's going to be okay. And do you see this? Do you see this? And I'm trying to bring two opposing parties back together to bring unity in the family, Right? And so unlike our relationships, though, the, the reconciliation that Jesus brings, it's not, a, it's not a two-sided conflict, really. There's really just the offended party, God, and the offending party, us. We have, through our sin, our sin is essentially rebellion against God. It's, it's damaging to God. It's hurtful to God. And it has separated us. It has it breached, it has broken the relationship. Uh, the, the, the world is broken because we're broken. And I think hopefully, I know we can all agree that the world's broken. I would hope that we could also then agree that we're the ones that broke it. Collectively. You think, no, it was the past generation. Yeah, you know who the past generation blamed it on? The past generation, the past generation. We've been breaking this thing and making it worse for a long time. We've done this. And it's a collection of individual people breaking their commitment and their love, and their relationship with God. And so what Jesus has done, this thing that Jesus did, his primary mission, and what he did, is to reconcile, is to fix that. I, I, want, I, want, I, want, I want God, and I want people, I, I want them back together. And there's a couple of things that you're going to have to believe if you're going to believe that this is true. And the first one is this, is that God is holy. And what that means is that God is so perfect and so different that a sin against Him is a much bigger deal than what you think it is. It is not something that is simply shrugged off. Ah, I think God just goes, ah, it's not that big a deal. It's nothing. It's not nothing. Because God is God. He's not you. I mean, you think about it. You know, if, if you backtalk your friend, that's bad. You shouldn't do that. You backtalk your mom... That's real bad. You backtalk the king, that's different. You backtalk the creator God of the universe, that's very different. It cannot just be shrugged off. It can't just be like, oh, my bad, eh, no worries. It has, to be, it has to be dealt with. You know, that's part of being a parent. Yeah, it just has to be dealt with. Part of being a ruler. It has to be dealt with. And you're talking about the amazing, awesome, perfect creator God. A sin against him, it has to be, it has to be dealt with. And some people, they get, they're just a little hung up there, to be honest. Some of you right now, it's like, I'm a little bit hung up on that. God, he should be nicer than that. He shouldn't, it, shouldn't be that big, it shouldn't be that big a deal. If the God was that perfect and that amazing, where it would like, he would just be like, oh, you can just rebel against me all you want. It would be no big deal. Well, that's not holy. But even still, if that were the case, that even worse 
your sin is against such a good God. It must be dealt with. But the second thing that you have to believe is you have to believe that not only is God holy, but that God is also good. That God is also good, that, that even though that sin has to be dealt with, he can't just shrug it off, but he couldn't just let you go either. Because he loves you too much, he cares about you too much, and is too interested in you personally to let you go. And I think some people get hung up here too. I think some people just can't get over or really believe in the idea that the God of the universe would care enough to enter into this world, much less to enter into my individual world. But this is the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus is not only him coming into our world physically, to come into our world spiritually, but to engage us individually in our lives to make us right with God. He cares too much. He loves too much to let it go. He can't shrug it off because he's holy, but he can't just leave you alone because he loves you and he's too good. And so he sent his son Jesus because it has to be dealt with. And Jesus says, I'll deal with it. And that's why he's on the cross. To show you and to make sure that the world understands man, that sin is a big deal. And he's taking a punishment that is required for that sin. And he says, I'll take it. And the perfect son of God takes a punishment for all of us. Because sin must be dealt with. But he wants to forgive. And so Jesus says, give it to me. And so in that moment, the it, the reconciling people to God, it's finished. I've done it. I've taken the punishment. I've taken this death. So now people can be reconciled and be made right with God. So that's what the it is. What does he say about it? He said, it is finished. Well, what, there's, there's powerful just even this, that this verb is in the present tense. Is. Is means, it means now, not in the future. I think way too many of us, way too many of us are waiting for the brokenness to end and, and the hurt and, and the guilt and the shame. We're waiting for it to end in heaven. That we think that life with God is about getting some sort of card that you get to redeem at some point after your death. When what Jesus says is that this life that I'm offering you, it is a present reality. It is not something that is going to be true. It is something that is true for you now. The healing is now. The life is now. The hope is now. The forgiveness is now. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. He didn't say, I've come so that you can get to go to heaven one day. So I want you to have life now. Even as this world continues to be broken, even as the world and people around you continue to be broken, you can have life and healing and hope and joy now in this reality. And heaven's a really cool thing to think about. What that would be like. To be with God forever. To not have to be in a world that is broken anymore. And obviously the avoidance of hell and being eternally separated from God. We don't want that either. But on some level, we can avoid 
the hell that we are putting ourselves through now and live a heavenish kind of life in reconciliation and peace with God now. It can be greater fulfilled later, but right now, it's true now. And so many of us, we are still suffering like it's not finished. We're waiting for something. When God wants it to be true of your life, right now. It, reconciling people to God, is is true now. And it is finished. It's done. Finished means there's no more work left to be done. There's no more work left to be done. And let me tell you, right now I'm sitting here and, and, and I'm telling you all this and it's like, Okay, you know, God God did this great thing for you and and he wants this for you and he died for you and he wants to give you life and he wants to forgive you. He wants to bring healing to your heart. He wants to bring you hope and forgiveness. And you're like, man, that all sounds amazing and great. And like, yeah, it does. It is great, isn't it? Jesus is great and and God's great and church is great and Bible's great and cross is great and Easter's great. It's all great. You want that, don't you? You're like, no. just don't feel like I'm ready. Like I, just, I still got some bad things going on in my life. I, I got to work on some stuff. Hey, guess what? The work has already been done. Jesus' work was done. And he did all the work. There's no work left. There's nothing left to do. It's like you came up late to the work day project, right? And you feel like you want to contribute. I got a hammer. Like, we're done. I got to do something. No, I got to do nothing. The work is done. And I got to get, 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 get good. I got I to I I stop doing this. I got to start doing this. I gotta, I gotta. There's no work left to be done. Nothing left for Jesus to do. And he didn't leave anything for you to do. All of the work is done. You don't have to do anything to earn it on the front end. And there's no bait and switch after the fact. There's no one of these things where it's like, oh, it's, it's no work. And you're like, oh, I just, all I have to do is agree to the terms and conditions. Scroll, 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 scroll. Click. Next thing you know, Facebook's lifting to your private conversations in your bedroom, right? <laughs> That's not cool, man. <laughs> you ever, anybody, have, let's just take a little informal poll. Well, I know we're talking about Easter. How many people here? have had an ad pop up on their screen about something you've never searched before, but you've only talked about out loud. Oh, creepy. There's nothing like that. He is offering you something for free. He did all the work. All the work is done. It's finished. All that's left is for you to believe it, and accept it and make it yours. That's it. Well, how, but how, how, how can I know? And that's why we switch, switch from Good Friday to Easter. He made sure you would know. Because the one who said that he had the power to overcome death in your life came back to life. He didn't just talk about it. He demonstrated it. Now, that's a pretty cool trick to raise Lazarus from the dead. 
That's like, whoa, who is this dude? But to raise yourself from the dead, that's another matter. I own death. I am the Lord of life. And he showed it by walking out of that tomb. And so it's time to put all the anxiety and the fear and the uncertainty behind and, and, and just click accept. And, and make it yours. You don't have to work. There's nothing that you have to do. You don't have to get yourself right first. You just receive it. And then the God sends His Spirit to live inside you. And He does a new work inside your heart. That's the life that God is offering you. So there are some of you here today who just kind of are hovering on the fringes of Christianity. Whether this is your first time to come to church in a while, or you've been coming to church every week for a while, you're just kind of hovering there on the edge. You haven't fully made it yours. Maybe you understand. Maybe some of you this is brand new. This is like a really new concept for you. Either way, it's simple. There's no fancy prayer that you have to pray. There's no, there's no membership class. There's no 10-step deal. It's not, it's in your heart, make a decision to say that I, I believe that this is true and I want to make it mine. And if you do that, will you please do me a favor? Will you put that on a connection card and put it in the offering basket here in a little bit and just let us know you did it? Same deal. There's no, there's no weird things going to happen. We'll just send you a letter that says that's awesome and, and tell you we're glad that you were here. But we just want to pray for you and help you if we can. But we want to celebrate with you if this is the decision that you're making here today. So will you please let us know? And for the rest of you who have already made this decision, our hope and prayer for you this morning is it just becomes a little bit more real. And that you can rest again in the incredible finished work that Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. So we have different ways that we respond at the end of service. We do this every week. We have worship. We just encourage you to, 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 to worship and to sing and to proclaim the goodness and awesomeness of God and His Son Jesus. We also have some response places in the back. We have communion. It doesn't matter if you're a member here. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, feel free to take communion in the back. There's wafers back there. You just dip it in the cup and you take it right there. And um, it's a kind of commemoration of Jesus' death on the cross for you. There's prayer candles where you can just kind of pray. There's pray at the cross. There's an awesome prayer team that would love to pray with you if you need a little encouragement. We also have an opportunity to give. It's just an incredible way to give back to God. It's what God asks of us, to give back to Him what He's given to us. And it's an awesome way of, 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 of serving and, and responding and worshiping God. But let's just do this for each other. Let's just pray for each other. Let's pray for those who still need to make this uh, a present reality for them. And that all of us would be able to trust and rest in the finished work of Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you for Easter Sunday. I thank you for this one and the last 2,000 of them. I thank you for that first one where, God, you demonstrated to your disciples and ultimately to the whole world that death can be overcome, that life with you is a possibility. And, God, I pray that that possibility 
will become a reality for all of us. Whether it be for the first time or the next time. That we would all here today live in the rest and the reconciliation that your son Jesus Christ brought for us on the cross. God, I pray that those who are still on the edge would give their heart and life fully to you right now in this moment. And we thank you for your son who makes all this possible. And it's in his name that we pray.